now the podcast starts. Hello, dear listener. Dan here, T.D. Velasquez, on my own, to introduce a little special episode that we're putting out to mark the occasion. The day that this episode drops, the 28th of April 2022, would have been the 100th birthday of Nigel Neal. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you'll know that Nigel Neal's works are held in some regard around these parts, so I didn't want this day to go unmarked. Uh, We will be doing a full episode later in the year about his Quatermass stories with quite a lot of special content recorded. Um, And we've already done episodes in the past about his contributions to the Halloween series, and to the uh, the Beasts TV series, specifically the episode During Barty's Party. And if you look back along our podcast feed, you can find those. But something that we had recorded specially to be included in our Quatermass episode for later this year is an interview very kindly given to us by Simon Clark. The brilliant award-winning horror author, writer of books such as Blood Crazy, Nailed by the Heart, Vampiric, and not least The Night of the Triffids, the official sequel to the classic John Wyndham novel. Now I know Simon, I've known him for a few years and I just asked him if he'd like to come on the podcast and what he'd like to talk about and he said he'd really like to talk about the script that Nigel Neal wrote for the TV Quatermass series uh, in the 1950s. These shows were very early examples of television drama and they were transmitted live so as it was not feasible for as it was not feasible at the time to release television episodes in such a way that people at home could keep them uh, the scripts of these particular series were actually released as books and Simon found them and read them when he was quite young and they were a great inspiration to him so he wanted to talk to us about them. The whole interview that we did with Simon is available on our Patreon feed. In fact it's in visual form, it's a Zoom conversation so if you are a Patreon supporter you can go there and see the conversation. Um, in which we go into great detail about the three 1950s Quatermass script books and also spend a lot of time discussing the Quatermass novel which Nigel Neal wrote in 1979. But this is just an extract now where we talk mainly about the very first script that Nigel Neal wrote, The Quatermass Experiment, from 1953. It just remains for me to say, Nigel Neal... Thank you for your astonishing legacy. We'll never stop being grateful for it. Now over to Simon as he tells us the story of how he first discovered those wonderful script books. So 
myself and my family went on holiday. I was married by this time with a young child and um, happened to be wandering around Withensy Market, that little indoor market. And there's a bookstall and thought, oh, have a look. And, and by sheer chance, very, very happy chance, all three of the uh, Quakermass scripts were there right in front of me on, on the stall. Probably, I had to have a look in the book and, and see the prices. I played 10 pence each, something like that. Right, wow. I remember you know, picking these uh, old, uh, these books up with the, the orange covers, and these penguin uh, scripts, and thinking, you know, it's one of those moments when you see them and think, oh, am, am I uh, hallucinating here? You know, is this real? You know, are these scripts in front of me? I, I didn't even know they were, they'd been published. Anyway, so I picked them up, saw what they were, bought them, and then read them avidly, no doubt to my family's annoyance, because uh, I was betting myself in a book for the next piece. But the, the scripts, reading those, well, they're just a revelation. I mean, they're not back then, you know, as um, what play mid 20s, I wasn't familiar with reading scripts and certainly not writing them. Um, but they were so easy to read and um, just so compelling, and the energy that was contained in those scripts, reading them, I mean, it was just uh, it was fantastic. Like I say, a, a revelation. Yeah, I, I was began the uh, you know, <laughs> the, the miserable person or appeared to be sat in the corner, and everybody else was out throwing a ball or something in the sunshine on the beach, and I was there reading these scripts, thinking, "Well, this is this is wonderful. This is fantastic." So, yeah, the, the, the scripts came probably first for me before the. The TV version. Then I do remember getting the Quatermass and the Pit BBC version on video, probably mid eighties, probably a year or so later. That came it, out in the late eighties. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe eighty seven. Was it? Yeah, so probably just one or two years after getting the the scripts and reading those, that the the video became available. So I watched that, and and I know it digress a little bit from the scripts. But again, the, the, the BBC TV version of uh, Quatermass and the Pit was just terrific. And, uh, you know, I, I loved it. And for me, you now it's become the, you know, the superior version. I prefer that to the, to the Hammer version, perhaps partly because it's, it's so much longer. You know, it's almost like reading a novel, the BBC TV version. You can immerse yourself in those six episodes, you know, enter Nigel Neal's world that he created. Yeah, and um, the TV version is a really impressive production because obviously they didn't have the resources um, that the film had, and yet they managed to do so much with what they had. Um, oh, absolutely! I mean, the I believe the uh, the BBC TV version for all six episodes, its budget was twenty twenty seven thousand five hundred pounds, which you know today that that's say the cost of catering on a yeah, yeah. But even like a middle-sized budget film, but back then, you know, they got the, the entire six episodes out of that twenty thousand um, pounds, and and created something wonderful. And uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly my my all-time favourite TV series, uh, you know, of, of Quatermass, and possibly one of my all-time TV film favourites of all time. You know, in, in the top ten, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I don't blame you at all. Um, so, in, in terms of the scripts, um, I actually only read the script of Quatermass 2, because that's the one I own. I'd seen the TV series before. Um, it, uh, the listener may know it came out on DVD um, 15 years or so ago. Um, um, so, I, I had seen it, but I, I'd never got round to reading it, and I haven't read Quatermass Experiment or Quatermass and the Pit, even though I have 
I feel very familiar with Quatermass on the Pit because I have seen the TV series in full. The, the recently released Blu-ray is wonderful and and also the, the film um, is just kind of in my DNA really. But um, what struck me about the Quatermass 2 scripts when I read it was... Yes, it, it's hugely readable. It does... I, I, I feel like uh, it's a strange practice that... Um, that the scripts were published in a, in a way rather than a novelization, which you know most films or TV shows made um, before the two thousands probably had a novelization tie in, um, but for some reason somebody thought no, we can just put the scripts out. Maybe that was Nigel Neal. Maybe he thought, look, I've already put all my effort into writing the scripts and they're really good. Rather than just write a novel based on them, let's just publish them. And he, there is a note at the start of the script saying. You know, I've adapted this to be easier to read, but please yes. bear in mind that it was written for actors to say, and it's written for a, a crew to produce a TV series based on it. Um, having said that, it's it is just uh, very um, uh, engaging to read the the stage directions, as I call them, or the camera directions rather. They don't lean on technical jargon. They're very much about um, creating the place and the atmosphere and, and the characters filling in any uh, detail of the character's behavior that you can't get just from the lines and of course i think the dialogue is tremendous which is always the case pretty much with with neil um so i i really enjoyed it and also it helps that um quatermass 2 is was a particularly uh, ambitious production because a good chunk of the last two episodes takes place in space and they had no budget for that but of course um and and i understand that neil himself although he loved the productions in general and he had a very great partnership with the director rudolph cartier i think he was aware that the money had run out by yes. the end so so therefore he, he wasn't really keen that people see the tv version of quatermass 2 um but he's obviously happier for them to read the script and when you read the script uh, you can, you can. The, the script tells you, you know, they're on an asteroid. They're in spacesuits. The man fires the gun and and is uh, spun off into space. And you can paint all those epic scale pictures in your mind. Whereas yes. maybe they they couldn't do great justice to that on, on the TV. I have to say, I haven't rewatched the TV version after reading the scripts. Yeah, good point, that Dan, because. When it comes to your own imagination, the, 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 uh, the budget's unlimited. So if you're reading the script of astronauts on an asteroid and somebody firing a gun, I mean, in your mind, you know, that's a huge, you know, vivid image, uh, you know, that you can paint there. And, you know, the, the only limits are your own imagination then, you know, you, you can picture something vast and amazing. But, you know, so often, you know, I'm sure there's Doctor Who fans out there who love Doctor Who like myself, but you know, you like watch some of the the old uh, like William Hartnell Doctor Who's and now, and you know, clearly you know the budget was limited, and uh, you know it's like just a battle scenes filmed in the corner of a studio. And I suppose it's the same with the with Quatermass. I mean, one thing I, I did focus on when you know before you know we we did this talk was. Look at the Quatermass experiment. Sorry, the Quatermass experiment. That the first um, story in the Quatermass, um, well, fifties trilogy, 
and, and, and thinking about that a lot. And you, you think, oh, I mean, to go back to the mid-1950s, I mean, the technology was very basic. The studios would have been tiny, but you, you could just imagine, you know, you're there, you're Nigel Neal, and the BBC now rate you as a, a, a brilliant writer. And, and, and Nigel Neal, you know, he, he wrote short stories uh, for print. He worked on children's puppet shows, scripting those, and then obviously built up a reputation at the BBC and the BBC basically wanted to create this vast, huge production for them. Um, and they went to Nigel Neal and said, you know, we want you to do writers a six, six part uh, serial, you know, and we, you know, we want, we're going to throw all our money at it. And we want it to really be really big and capture the public's, you know, the, the viewer's imagination. But then of course, you think back 1953, People had just tiny little televisions. Um, there was only one channel. And, you know, perhaps you or I, you know, if we were in a similar situation, so we think, oh, yeah, we'll do this massive series where it begins in the pyramids in Egypt, goes to Paris, there's a big shootout on the Eiffel Tower, then they're off to New York, and a big car chase through the streets of New York. And then the BBC must have said to Nigel Neal, oh, well, you've got this studio at uh, Alexander Palace. It wasn't even built as a studio. It's probably the size of a tennis court. Uh, basically, everything has to be filmed in there. We're going to be using cameras that are date back to the 1930s because we haven't got new cameras. And the, and the camera operator sees a little upside-down image that's all blurry. Um, we'll only have two or three cameras. It's going to go out live because we can't record it. You know, so over to you, uh, Nigel, what are you going to do? And you could have just imagined Nigel Neal thinking... Well, you know, it's all those limitations, but you know, the, the brilliance of the guy was that there was those tremendous limitations, but he unleashed his imagination and, and wrote this fabulous script um, and, and told a huge story, which only occurs, which all takes place in this, well, well actually it's to be filmed in this studio, but, it, you know, he still managed to take the story outdoors, you know, in, in our imaginations anyway. But, I mean, there were six episodes of the Quatermass Experiment, four are missing, but two are available and can be seen on, on YouTube. But you watch them and you can see that they, the, the characters, the, the actors, are all crammed together in little huddles to, to do the little bit of dialogue. Uh, I don't know if, I guess a lot of your, your listeners are familiar with the Quatermass Experiment, that it's about a, a rocket that goes out into space. It's the first manned um, space mission um, and, and this is before even Sputnik had orbited the Earth four years later. So it was all very new for for the viewers to understand, you know, how, how do people get into space? Or you put them on a rocket, shoot it out, and, and this is a nuclear-powered rocket. It goes into space, things go wrong, but they're actually bring the rocket back, and it crashes on Wimbledon Common, close to London. Uh, but when you see the episode, you know, you can tell everything's filmed in basically one little studio and it's like you know there'll be a little bit little corner where they've got the um like control room with desks and there's the scientists pressing leave you know pulling levers and pressing switches then they go to wimbledon common and, and all this is like a little bit of a, a smashed up house and the door of the rocket um so, so it was all done in such a like compressed way but uh you know nigel's neil's script shines through you know they I was looking a little bit, little bit more deeply into the how he'd written the script, 
uh, we might have some scriptwriters out there listening to this, and uh, you know they, they'll you know know their own techniques. But you can see Nigel Neal's technique is have, have lots of people asking questions all the time, which are then answered by somebody in authority. Um, also, every couple of pages there's a, there's a crisis. So the yeah, the, the, the story begins and, and the rocket's lost and it's going to go drifting off into space and think, oh no, those three astronauts are going to die out there in the, the depths and bleak coldness of space and not coming home. But then Quatermass manages to get remote control of the rocket and brings it back. So, oh, that's going well. But then another problem that the nuclear powered motor is still affixed to the capsule. And, you know, if it crashes into Earth, it's going to be like a nuclear explosion and Millions of people will die. So another crisis, they have to separate the, the rocket motor from the capsule. They do that. And they think, oh, you know, that's that's brilliant. You know, they're all going to survive, you know, this, this disaster. But then lo and behold, a page later on the script, the, the capsule's going to have to control it and it might crash into London. Oh, no, you know, London's going to be destroyed and there's going to be lots of people killed. But then they get the control back of the capsule just. They manage to crash London into Wimbledon, Wimbledon Common, just destroying... Uh, partially destroying one person's house so again disaster averted so Nigel Neal was brilliant every two or three pages is a crisis which must be resolved before then you move on you know the the, the viewer no doubt was thinking oh the relief you know they've got you know the spaceship isn't going to crash are they you know the astronauts going to be alive and so on uh, but Nigel Neal employs this cascade system of crises that or crises that just occur one after another but you have a little bit of breathing space that's a little bit of comedy almost you know like when an old lady rescues a you know is reunited with a cat or, and um one of uh, Quatermass's assistants is married to uh, one of the astronauts Roger uh, Caroon sorry Victor Caroon and so she re reunited with him um, but then Victor Caroon starts to change and is something you know mutating in some way so it's it's just you know one dramatic incident after another but there's always a little interval of something light happening something perhaps a little bit amusing and and you see Nigel Neal using a lot of his tried and tested techniques throughout the Quatermass stories um, Quatermass, Professor Quatermass has always um, comes into conflict with an authority figure and the authority figure whether it's Colonel Breen in Quatermass in the pit the uh, uh, you know, the, the, the stiff, stiff upper-lipped army officers say, no, you can't do this, or it's some government minister saying, oh, no, you can't do this, you've got to stop this. And Professor Quatermass is always battling these figures in authority before he can even start to battle the, the alien or whatever uh, crisis faces, uh, you know, humanity. Yeah, um, and Neil is kind of brilliant at escalating the the tension and the threats kind of throughout the story i think he's um especially in the first three quatermass serials uh quatermass stories he's kind of on unmatched almost at doing that i think it's it's a real special um skill so uh, with that original script the quatermass experiment and the fact that um all these things that that you're relating um are kind of imprinted on you, I think, from reading the script, aren't they? 
um, I mean, as, as you say, we only have the first two episodes in existence, and the film is very different. The Hammer film that was based on the series. So all, all those things that you just mentioned about the the stages of the rocket separating and all that, they just cut that from the film completely. It's it's not there at all, um, which is a, a shame. But I can understand why they did it when you've only got an hour and ten minutes to tell yes, the, yeah. the whole story. Um, uh, so um, I th what I'd like to ask is now that in years since you first read the scripts, you've seen the various versions, you've seen the, the, the existing episodes of the Quatermass experiment and the films and all that, is the strongest impression, is your strongest impression of the stories still the one that you had, what you saw in your mind when you read the scripts in the first place, or has it kind of been replaced? By the the images from the TV versions, etc. Yeah, I mean, almost like to, to use Quatermass experiment as a um, you know, a bit of a metaphor. I mean, three astronauts go into space, one astronaut comes back, and we only learn later that the other two astro astronauts have somehow been dissolved in some kind of alien process, and they've been they've merged with Victor Caron, the sole surviving astronaut. So he's got the other two astronauts inside of him you know that their minds have, have merged with his and, and I, I suppose to a certain extent you know i read the scripts first of all they had a tremendous impact on me and then i you know got to got to see them on uh, see the films again or get the dvds with the surviving scripts or the you know also the surviving episodes of quite mass experiment and also the others and i suppose there was a kind of process then where the the script merged with what i saw so i've got this combination in my head of script and so on so sometimes I'll be watching an episode, and I think, as it comes to the episode, there'll be the Nigel Neal always ends with a, a lovely line saying, um, "Crashing music fade to black." Yes, I, I always, I always love that description. You know, just to see for the end of the episode, and as, as we get to the end of the episode, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, here it comes! It, it'll crashing music and fade to black." And yes, it comes. And so, so, so the, the script is combined with my, in my memory now with actually seeing the episodes so I, I get both going through and uh, so I'd, I'd certainly recommend if uh, to, to listeners if they get the chance to to read the scripts to to read them because I, I think they're just such a, a you know pure joy to read and uh, the energy in them I mean with you can see all that's wrong with them as well in a sense of like the old style of writing um like with the, the Quatermass experiment the first part of it it's the, the the characters give little speeches they're almost not interacting they'll say oh yes the rocket's coming in at such and such a trajectory we hope it'll land in australia oh no it won't land in australia so reconnect and, and so you know that you get this actually a block of almost like monologue right and you know that was the old way of doing it but you can see nigel neal already he's evolving and as the script goes on it becomes sharper and crisper and then instead of characters giving little speeches you know, by the time you get to the end of even the end of episode one, they're interrupting each other. So, you know, so one will be saying, "Oh, look, the door's opening," and, oh, and then somebody else will come in and say, "Oh, what's that awful thing coming out through the door?" You know, and it's <laughs> you, know, you must get your heart pounding with excitement, and you can see that Nigel Neal's going through this transition of, you know, he'll play of grown up listening to radio plays where everything had to be described, and you know, it would be plot along to a certain extent. And he began his scripts almost like that, as if they were radio plays with pictures. But then it evolves into something else, and it becomes much sharper. And it, 
just this morning I was looking through the, the scripts and you can tell that by the time you get to Quatabas, the Quatabas and the Pit script, which isn't easy to say, but the Quatabas and <laughs> the script, it's terrible to say, Quatabas and the Pit script, you can see, <laughs> even on the page it looks different, you know, they, yeah, yeah, it's, it's bish bosh bash, you know, it's, uh, you know, one, one actor speaks a line, then another one, and then another one, it's, it's the, uh, these long speeches have basically gone by then, and it's, it's much faster, much crisper, um, you know, much more like batting the ball back and forth you know, in a volley when characters are speaking to each other. And, you know, the, the energy crackles off the page. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, again, I'm going to digress a little bit, but Nigel Neal's output, I guess, half of it was sort of science fiction horror and so on. But then he, he wrote a lot of very mainstream stuff as well, like, um, like an adaptation of Wuthering Heights and so on. So a lot of it wasn't horror, wasn't science fiction. But, and I, I suppose, Dan, like me, you know, we, we're just greedy for more Nigel Neal science fiction, aren't we? I mean, yes. we just think, why didn't he just devote his life to just writing that and nothing else? Oh, well, we were allowed to write horror as well, but, uh, uh, you know, you just wish he'd, he'd written 20 Quatermass stories, not just the, the four yeah, yeah. Um, although I, I, I love the fact, unlike um, most uh, kind of significant sci-fi kind of horror franchises, um, you know, to take uh, examples like Doctor Who or Star Trek, they start off being created by someone and then other people take over, whereas Quatermass is entirely Nigel Neal. He wrote every story in multiple versions. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, even up to the radio serial, which was made in the 90s, he wrote that. Um, mm. And there's never really been any... I mean, he, he I don't think he would have willingly handed over the mantle to anyone. Um, and the, there haven't really been anyone else who's done it. And I think that the consistency of voice in it is is kind of a great appeal to me, even though it is a shame that there's only four stories. But I, I, I think what you hinted out there is that it is kind of important to to read these and bear in mind that the the time that they were written and the fact that tv was being invented you know it's not just the first major tv science fiction serial it's also the first it's the beginning really of television drama because as you say and i'm not the first person to say this either um you know tv dramas before this point were basically radio plays with cameras pointed at them mm. but but here nigel neal is inventing how television drama works and and kind of realizing that it's not radio but it's not film either it's not theater it's a different thing it's something in between and kind of working out what that is and he takes that knowledge to his other dramas and his other creations like 1984 and later on like the um, Wuthering Heights and The Entertainer and things like that. And and, and in a way you can say that every, by the 60s all the other TV dramatists were basically doing what he was doing. They kind of conformed to that template. Oh, I, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, Dan. Um, yeah, because again... I don't think we've mentioned, but I mean, the the, the Quatermass TV series went out live, didn't they, in the 1950s? I mean, they were like stage plays. When you sat down and watched it on television, there's actually an actor yeah. in the studios in London, you know, saying the lines. And it, it was it was actually live. 
Um, and of course, th th there'll have been constraints there, how we would, could have written the scripts. I mean, you couldn't have had, you know, like a, a character jumping into a car and there'd be a car chase, unless they actually spliced in some, some film, which they'd shot earlier, which th they did to a certain extent, you know, that's some film inserts. But basically it was, yeah, a bunch of people in a room with a couple of cameras doing the story and it was live. Well, huge thanks there to Simon Clark for contributing that interview. As I said before, if you want to hear the whole interview, you can go to our Patreon page or you can wait for our special Quatermass on the Pit episode, which will be released later this year, which is currently in the works. Once again, happy birthday, Nigel Neal. And let's keep watching, reading and listening the works of this great man whose contribution to horror and science fiction and just drama in general somehow do not age. Thanks for listening everybody. We'll be back soon with a full episode. Bye bye. You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by T.D. Velasquez with special guest Simon Clark. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com, for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages, at andnowpod, or at leecushingpod. Follow us on Twitter, at andnowpodcast, or at leecushingpodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash andnowpodcast. And now, the podcast stops.